This is Hawaii Rising, a podcast from the Hawaii People's Fund. I'm Suyuno Amos. I'm Kenji Cataldo. Our guest today is Iola Lokebol, an advocate and interpreter at the Waipahu Safe Haven Immigrant and Migrant Resource Center. Waipahu Safe Haven provides holistic programs and services with language access to empower and uplift Hawaii's immigrant and migrant communities, primarily serving our growing Marshallese and Chukyu communities, as well as Samoans and Filipinos. The center convenes Chukyu's and Marshallese steering committees to guide programs and build support for their respective communities. We spoke with Iola over Zoom last September. So today we're having a conversation with Iola and we're talking about the Waipahu Safe Haven Immigrant and Migrant Resource Center. And Iola, do you wanna just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about um, the Waipahu Safe Haven? Yes, thank you. And thank you for um, the opportunity in inviting me over on behalf of Safe Haven to kind of share um, about what we do out there. My name is Yola. I live luckable. I'm from the Marshall Islands, born and raised in the Marshall Islands and kind of came to school abroad. And uh, I speak Marshallese in English and I work for the Department of Education, a full-time interpreter liaison. Um, my title is uh, school home assistant, bilingual, bicultural school home assistant. And I've been working with DOE for a little over 15 years. And then I also work with Safe Haven, um, Waipau Safe Haven Immigrant Resource Center for I think almost 10 years as an advocate, uh, interpreter, you know, all, all of it, you know, trying to help the community with as much as we can. Thank you so much for that introduction. Can you share a little bit about the Waipahu Safe Haven and how it came about? Yes. Um, so Waipahu Safe Haven, um, it's kind of like a long story, but I want to, if it's okay, I want to share as much as I can so that people out there, you know, our listeners really understand what it is and where it's at. Um, so Waipahu Safe Haven, um, they, um, the mission is to provide holistic services with language access for the community members in hope of servicing um, as a beneficial and guiding resource towards attaining success, empowering children and families to be self-sustaining and becoming positive community contributors. So um, with that, we have Barbara Tom. She is uh, the founder of the center and she's a, a public health nurse who started all of it uh, first with the Computer Access Center for the Community, due to a need identified by the community assessment that was done by two public health nurses or students in 2011. According to the community assessment that they did, um, the high school students and intermediate school students did not have ability to complete their homework as there was lack of computer and um, internet access at that time. The libraries were overwhelmed and school ended at 3 p.m. for all the students. So with the help of the public health students, we were able to write a grant to obtain computers and Wi-Fi for then at the time called Weed and Seed Office in Hawaii Public Housing Apartment where the Computer Access Center began. And then from there, we were able to um, educate Pacific Islander women on like sewing skills through another women's fund grant 
and the women for uh, the women for change or women in change group started. It formed after that. Over time, with additional partnership, we learned that the need was greater than just the need for computer access and more holistic approach was developed with the parents and children together and other partners. Thus, the White Paul Safe Haven Immigrant Resource Center started at the time. You know, so um, our needs identified by the community seeking help included health insurance, um, help with computer classes, as well as um, health classes. A stronger partnership was developed with the Department of Education, EL Department, under uh, my boss, Dr. Greg Uchishiba. And uh, we were very fortunate that this partnership started. It was a really great move because then we were able to bring in other services and resources with interpretation um, access. And um, so due to the heavy numbers of Micronesians, mainly it was Marshallese and Chukis. We developed these two steering committee meetings, uh, two steering committee groups, we call them. And they were headed by uh, the Department of Education, two full-time workers. So two full-time interpreters, one myself as a Marshallese interpreter and the other interpreter was uh, Mr. Satiro Paul. I think he came, um, I just recently, you know, and he talked about his school, yeah, his uh, Chukis uh, language and culture school. So with that, uh, our steering committee groups are very active at the resource center. And um, the safe haven serves anyone needing help with resource information or access to these resources. You know, our strength, our, our availability of language access for our resources. You know, so during the pandemic, the needs of the community increased with the steering committees communicating to us that the highest needs were food, housing, language access, and jobs. Based on those needs, we developed food drives. And these food drives uh, reach about 13,000 families in partnership with um, other nonprofit organizations who helped us. We also addressed the need for language access, which was evident by those calling and needing to know what and where to go or just to navigate the system, especially during the um, pandemic. It was very um, harsh. Uh, many packets of translated information went out in Marshallese, in Chukis, in Filipino, Ilocano, Tagalog language, both uh, Samoan and English as well. So we distributed those out um, into the community. We are advocating for increasing language access for um, all social services at the legislature. Um, currently, we focus and continue to focus on our after-school tutorials with language access, health insurance access, uh, job readiness. Of course, we have the rental and utility assistant that you know we're assisting families uh, who need help during this time. And we also have cultural education, you know, to the community and students at the school. And also we have a community uh, garden project. Um, there are a lot of services that Safe Haven offers. Um, I'm With me, I have a brochure with all the, um, you know, the schedule and all of that that they have. And it's very kind of like a very busy schedule, but there are all kinds of services that Safe Haven offers. If it's okay, I want to go ahead and explain some of that. 
so that people can um, hear more about what kind of services are offered there. Yeah, go ahead. So there's access to health insurance counseling. We have uh, we assist with nursing assistant, adult education, um, basic computer classes. There's after school tutoring for children uh, weekly um, on a weekly basis, Monday to Thursday. We also have sewing classes, um, employment assistant, uh, city and council county rental and utility assistant with Catholic charities. And we also have cultural crafting and other educational workshops. And so with all this, all the services uh, have access to language that, you know, people um, need at the center. And then with our two steering committee groups, we have the Marshallese steering committee group and the Chukis. And um, as a, a com as a steering committee chair, um, I guide the Marshallese steering committee in addressing the needs of the community for the Marshallese community. And um, we meet on a weekly basis. We meet twice a week. Right now we do meet twice a week. So Mondays we have sewing classes and Wednesdays we do adult English class for the Marshallese group and then sewing and also meet uh, steering committee meetings. In these meetings, we sit down together and uh, we, we talk about barriers, assistance, and how we can help uh, bring these um, concerns and questions to the floor and what ways we can sit down together and how to provide the services into the community with the language. Thank you for, I mean, that really does sound like a lot of programming and definitely a busy schedule. Um, which which of these programs are you kind of personally the most involved with? Um, I'm involved with the Marshallese Steering Committee. And uh, in that uh, in that program itself, there's a lot of services and things that we do as a, a group, as a, a community organization. How did you first... Uh, get involved with the Waipahu Safe Haven and the um, steering committee? Um, when when um, Safe Haven, you know, had that partnership started with Dr. Uchishiba through, with the EL department with Dr. Uchishiba, uh, I work under him. So uh, that's where we come in. You know, uh, we have interpreters at uh, the district office and we all work with the Department of Education um, but this is with the partnership. This is where we're able to come out also to help the community by assisting at the center. And so these languages, we have interpreters in these different languages, uh, as I mentioned earlier, Marshallese, Chukis, um, Ilocano, Tagalog, Samoan, and, uh, you know. I wonder if you could um, share a little bit about um, your experience working as an interpreter and kind of helping people navigate the system through offering that language access? Um, so, um, you know, it's, it, since we started a while back, um, it, it, it started with just, um, you know, little, uh, we had the center back then and we had members in the community um, reaching out to us to help with um barriers that they were going through, you know, whether it was school, um, health insurance, or other um, barriers or issues that they were having, they needed someone to help them understand, you know, letters from doctors, things like that, um, letters from other uh, Department of Human Services. And so they would look for interpreters in the community. 
they would reach out since they hear about the center and know that there's uh, people there that can help with the language. They come to us. And uh, so that's how we've been connecting. And just kind of after that, it just, it's been like everybody hearing about it through the word of mouth more and more as the years went by. And so we're seeing more people coming to us for help with the language. And, um, and it's just been uh, nonstop, you know, um, helping the community with this language access. I mean, roughly how many people would you say that you're kind of working with and helping, you know, per week or? Per week, well, per um, year, I, in the past, we had our data um, and from looking at the data when we used to be the past few years, we were helping a thousand to a little bit more over a thousand a year. And I'm thinking, you know, we're helping more as the years go by, you know, more wow. people are coming in. So, yeah, and it's, it's just uh, everybody ranging from, you know, one end of the island to the other. Even though we're at Safe Haven, we see people coming from all sorts of part of the island. And even at people calling us from other states or surrounding islands, like the outer islands. And, you know, so it's it's a really good network where we're in the center and people have that, um, you know, they could just walk up to the center, you know, or people calling from other parts of the island and other places and just asking for help. So what are some of the um, impacts that you've been able to see in the community, some of the positive um, success stories that have come from the work you've been doing? I'm glad you mentioned that because we also have had challenges, but then on the other side, we've been having many positive impacts, you know, with the center being available with language access, we're seeing more people coming to the center as where they would go to these other resources or other agencies for this help. And, and it's, it's like an open door. They just know that this is their home, you know, uh, a place where they can go to and they rely on to help them with, um, with all the services that they offer, with all the services that's available at the center. Um, one of the things that I've seen, you know, with uh, just a few example, uh, we offer adult English classes and we've been doing it for a couple of years now. And we're seeing more positive impacts with uh, families, you know, um, parent involvement in school, because now they're, you know, little by little understanding the language from getting what they're getting you know, from these um, educational workshops and trainings. And we're seeing more uh, parents and families and students together um, involved in some of these things. Uh, we're seeing more jobs available and more people, younger uh, generation applying for jobs um, with language access. Uh, they come to the center, apply for the jobs, you know, having the interpreters available to them. And then they just kind of go through the steps with the language access. And to, you know, from application enrollment to interview to where they're going. So uh, with all these services that they have and with the language access, uh, we're seeing more people out there. You know, they're more um, more confidence and, um, you know, becoming better contributors in the community, um, you know, connecting with other resources and other people, bringing in other people in to help them exceed, you know, and that's always been the um, you know, mission and the uh, what we've always wanted from the beginning, you know, working at the center, um, wanted to see good impacts, you know, we're always expecting, you know, some 
challenges, of course, but we're also, you know, seeing, um, you know, thrives, you know, in education, in work, um, and many other things, you know. Um, and I think, you know, along with the challenges, the positive impacts that are also coming after that, uh, it kind of gives the community an understanding of, you know, so this is expected, you know, even though different cultures and different lifestyles or upbringing, uh, we're learning this is uh, okay to accept this, but at the end, you know, this is what we have to do to get here, you know, so building stronger community and more educated um, members. Yeah, it's awesome to hear about those positive impacts. And I'm thinking back to your describing um, the different communities that the Waipahu Safe Haven is, uh, has these relationships with, you know, Marshallese, Chukis, Filipino, Samoan. Um, and I'm wondering if um, you could share a little bit about, um, you know, bringing all of these people together. Um, and I know your, your work is mostly the steering committee for the Marshallese community side of things, but wondering, you know, if you could talk about the value of, of bringing all of these different communities together in this space. Uh, okay. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so, um, you know, even though, uh, you know, I'm working with the Marshallese steering committee and doing these weekly meetings, but, um, there's looking at the bigger picture, our goal also in that steering committee is to be able to reach into the community, um, you know, bring in the, the needs into, um, into the, onto the floor, and then, you know, trying to figure out how to make it better. And so it's not just on a weekly basis, but what we're also doing is bringing in people into the, into the steering committee, uh, leaders and, uh, women and uh, community leaders, church leaders. We have students at school. We have grandparents, parents, guardians, just bringing all these people together and um, collaborating on how to become more successful, you know, living in, 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 in Hawaii and educating. And so with all the services and resources we have at the center, we are using the language uh, our interpreters, you know, to help. So we're doing multiple uh, things as a steering committee group. We um, are very involved in school. Our group, we meet on a weekly basis and we um, go out to the school as a group and we educate the students in school about cultures, uh, whether storytelling, dances, um, reading books in the language. And uh, we're partnership with a club. It's called We Are Micronesia Club at Waipau High School. And, uh, you know, with the kids there, we're able to go out and teach them. And in turn, they also uh, teach students in their classroom. You know, uh, I think it's really important that they are able to understand their culture and share. And, and so we've been doing a lot of cultural activities at school for a couple of years uh, and also through the pandemic, you know, so even though we had a little bit of, um, you know, kind of tight uh, because due to COVID and, you know, number of people that could go in, we were still able to go and administer some of these cultural um, sharings and activities to help kids. And um, I think they've been really liking it. They learn about the culture 
they practice the culture, speaking the language and sharing it. And uh, we're seeing that they're inviting their friends from other classes or, you know, and they're talking about it. Their teachers are coming with them. And uh, we've had projects where we had to do this uh, UH where kids, you know, we were weaving baskets and there were several kind of baskets and the, we're teaching the kids uh, uh, weaving a plate uh, made out of coconut palm. So it's a flat basket. In our culture, we call it emre. And uh, it's a plate, but the significance of the story, you know, in our islands, we fill these with plates. So, um, and it's it's all about sharing. So you, everything that you put in the plate and you share it with your community. So we're, we're pretty um, very um, communal community and we tend to stay together and we help each other out in whatever barriers or needs that we can help each other with, we always do that. We tend to be more successful as a group working together and helping each other out. And so we want to share that, you know, in the school with the kids. And, you know, it's been really hard, you know, kids coming from overseas from the Pacific Islanders and they, you know, they get all kinds of stereotypes and they see all these, you know, different things that they encounter that they uh, never, you know, seen or heard before. And, um, with us going in and kind of educating them about the culture, but also educating about the expectation of school rules, the laws and all that, you know, so kind of more educational from both cultures. And I think it's helped the kids a lot because it gives them a sense of belonging and understanding in the school, uh, in the setting when we do it at the school. And it kind of, you know, it kind of, makes them feel confidence, you know, inviting their friends and the teachers and seeing people showing interest in their culture. And with that, we've been doing that. Now we're trying to do it on a monthly basis. And so we also have an intermediate, one of the intermediate schools out here. They started their own club and it's called Pacific Islander Club. So we as a group have been going out there too. So we're not just teaching about weaving and about food. We might start a cooking class soon too, a little bit, but we want it all to be um, based on the students, you know, the needs, the parents and have some kind of collaboration where they can own it. And, and um, we're also, you know, teaching dancing and cultural stories and, uh, at the high school, the kids at the high school have been able to um, read some books in English and Marshallese, and these are elementary school books. And um, their their club at the high school is very is very good because they have um, teachers and supporters. You know, they have the right people who are able to help them and um, just guide them. You know, through the whole thing. And um, I think if you have that in place at the schools or, you know, any organizations or schools, the kids tend to just kind of follow and take the lead after. And so that's some of the things we're seeing. So our group has also a partnership with Waipahu and we use the high school kids and they come to our uh, activities and kind of help us out. Yeah, so for example, Recently, we had the high school kids come to Safe Haven and they were reading um, books in Marshallese in English or Chukis in English to the after school tutorial kids. And so 
that was a great setting seeing the high school kids reading to the kids um storytelling and things like that and you know have them talk and you know the kids were so excited and they were asking questions about the book but also learning both languages and understanding you know so it, it's been a lot of experiences but you know and um good collaboration and work together but this is awesome because the kids are involved with elderly in the community with weavers or seamstresses or storytellers it we're all involved at the school level you know uh, helping the kids and understanding about their culture and other cultures yeah that sounds really wonderful and it's great to hear that there is that you know kind of two-way education happening where it's not only just learning about uh, you know what are what is the um, rules of the school and all of that, but also creating a space for you know the, their culture to be uplifted and and shared in the school um, is really cool to hear. Um, and I guess you know it's it's so exciting to talk about kids and and this intergenerational care that's happening in the community. Um, and I just would love to hear um, what you envision for the future of the community here and um, how, how you hope to see these programs continue to grow and impact people's lives. For the future, um, and uh, we talk about it a lot during our steering committee meetings and what you know we'd like to see in the future with our kids um, and with how the services are involved, you know, helping the people in the community. But I think one of the main things we want to see is like a mentor program and that can help students and adults get into like a two or four year college sort of thing, some kind of pathway community center um, being built that can be sustained um, indefinitely <clears throat> filled with community partners to support the community. Um, but all will be grassroots driven. I wanted to ask a little more about yeah what you were just describing before about having the the high school students working with the younger kids and then also with elders um but that that thing that you said about you know you want it driven by the students and so they ha are taking ownership over it um and i would just love to hear a little more about some of the um ways you've noticed for those students that are stepping in and are mentoring younger students or are helping elders, some of the changes you're noticing in them, kind of the, the positive impacts on, 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 uh, on them through participating. Yeah, sure. As far as um, with the cultural crafting um, and, you know, students involvement, we, at first it was kind of hard, you know, it's of course the kids are shy and they're not sure how to, you know, accept this is something new to them and, you know, and uh, bringing that into the school setting. Um, when we first went out to White Paul High School, it was very, uh, the first time we went out as a group. So we have the, uh, our um, elderly crafters and we call them um, animono. In Marshallese, it's riamimono. So elderly members in the community, these are actually, they're, they have kids in school. So these are moms and dads and grandmothers and aunties and sisters. But um, we went out there as a group. And the first time we were introduced to the high school kids and we didn't really see a big numbers. And it was more like the other groups instead of the kids we expected. And so um, I think at the beginning, it's always hard. But if we're, we found out that, you know, with 
persistency and consistency, we were able to, it kind of became like a um, something that they saw on a regular basis and they were more comfortable as each time passed and they start coming out. And then it went from, you know, coming and getting involved with what we were teaching and sharing and it began, you know, they, they wanted to do more. So they were asking for more, inviting friends and teachers and wanting to be more involved in it. Um, how and what they want to do is what we, you know, went off of. So we sat down with them and we asked them, what are you comfortable with us sharing, you know, and how would you like to be involved? And so everything that we actually do is not, is more based on the need, whether it's the student, whether it's the steering committee members or whether it's the community members out there, you know, with with what they, they're sharing as far as their needs and how they want to be involved. We take their feedbacks and their concerns and questions, and then we sit down and talk about it. And then we get them involved in it. So it's more listening to what the needs are out there. And for us to kind of, how do we you know, help or how do we build? Where do we go from here? And so um, we've been doing a lot of that uh, at the high school level. Um, you know, it was, we did one project where we were weaving the baskets and we used, uh, we went to White Paul High School Library and we invited the kids and we had the parents and the elderly weavers came in and it was really a, a different, but a first time and kind of like an eye opener for the, you know, to learn and see parents working, sitting down together with their kids and grandkids and just kind of weaving and talking, speaking in their language sharing the culture and appreciating it and understanding it. And of course, then, you know, every time we did it, it's, it's, it becomes more like a more comfortable and you can see that people are kind of liking it more. The kids are more comfortable with it. And now they're kind of like, okay, I can do this now. You know, this is the third, fourth time we want to do it. We want to do it. And we want this now, you know, so you can kind of see a different pattern. Like we are, we don't want to weave this week. We want this now. I want to do uh, Marshallese um, handicraft, you know, jewelries. So like the one I'm wearing right now is all shells, but these are some of the things that the kids show interest in. So they're like very confident. And uh, we just kind of sit back a little bit and just kind of let them, you know, uh, feel empowered to do what we, you know, what we were kind of teaching. And so it was like that for our group in the beginning when we started our steering committee group. It was like that, you know, very um, quiet type and we weren't really sure. Uh, but as the years went by, we were able to build each other up. You know, the successes that we did together and we see together, accomplishments that we did together kind of empowered them, you know, the parents to kind of own it and just take it from there and take it into the school. And with that same feeling and that same um with that same feeling and that same, you know, um, system, the kids kind of felt it and kind of took it from there. And we're, we're seeing the kids now taking what they've been learning and kind of accepting it and cherishing it and liking it. And it, uh, taking it into the classroom and teaching their friends and their classmates, the teachers. And, and, and so it's been kind of really kind of like an, uh, gave us an opportunity to have that really great relationship, but that bonding, you know, between uh, different generations working together to kind of build each other up. So we see it as a success and we kind of like it and we want to keep continue to do it, you know, provide these services, but also have everybody kind of take ownership of each roles 
and how it's making you know the people you know just feel empowered and uh, confident that they can do it on their own and be able to educate others about it. And so, uh, yeah, one of the things that we wanted to you know aiming as you know we're cultural uh, teachers, you know, is um, just continue to get feedback, um, you know, push and give them the support that they need. Um, where they will feel empowered, that they're empowered enough that they can, you know, um, be their own advocates, you know, and be advocacy. And that's what we've always wanted to do, you know, to see a community, um, you know, be successful and, uh, you know, thrive out there with more education. Yola, could you share um, something maybe that you would like our listeners to know or understand about the community that you serve um, that maybe is not something most people are aware of or um, is not so obvious to people at first? Yeah, um, I want our um, listeners out there to um, know that there's always ways to become better, you know, so for me as a, a Marshallese, but also someone that migrated to the States, I kind of see it from both sides of the fence, you know, how an outsider looks and what, you know, looking from the inside to outside. And there's been a lot of miscommunication, stereotypes, all of that. But I think with this kind of thing that we're doing, collaborating, working together, the understanding um, of each other's cultures, and there's so many cultures out here in Hawaii, um, you know, not like the states, you know, they don't kind of deal with this, but there's so many of us here that I think that if we keep doing what we're doing, you know, um, helping each other, understanding each other's cultures and just providing help to each other, um, I think we can become better successful contributors out there and, you know, bring forth a lot of uh, younger generations, you know, to build them and make them become um, really successful um, you know, uh, contributors that can come back into the community and assist and uh, more educated and they can come back and help our, you know, our kapunas and, uh, later on and just be all there and um, maybe even like try to understand uh, some of the things like for me as a Marshallese, um, there are so many reasons why Marshallese people come to Hawaii and not many people know about that, you know, um, even some of us Marshallese, they don't understand that. So uh, Kofi migrants, Kofi migrants are here for varieties of reasons, but I don't think that the understanding is there yet or the community is not educated on it. And uh, I think if there's a way that we can also share that into the community and let others know, um, you know, there would be a lot of uh, a better communication or better friendship bonding with each other. Uh, because in the past, especially during COVID, we've seen so many things happening and especially with the language barrier, people are not able to understand each other. But the main thing is um, safe haven is, you know, open, it's there and uh, there's so many resources out there and it's going to continue to grow and we want to keep helping the community, the families and, you know, everybody out there. So it's open to anyone who needs help with what do you think that um, people living in Hawaii could do to kind of um, do a better job of, of supporting, you know, these um, 
immigrant and migrant communities that are coming in and learning more about them and having that better understanding? Um, well, basically, um, I think, um, you know, with all the resources that uh, Safe Haven does and offer to the community, um, I think funding is probably one of the um, things that they don't, they lack that could really help. So we're very thankful for the funding that we had received um, to do all of these services that we've been doing, you know, especially the cultural crafting and how it's made a big impact in, in the school, in the families out there and um, how it's uplifting the, uh, the community members and, you know, with the educational background and sharing and all that. So I think um, we are really happy and very thankful to our new friends. We have given us more hope that there are others out there with a similar vision that we have. And so we're not alone, you know, we're all trying and with the support that we've been getting from our partners, you know, in seeing one vision and working towards that vision. And we've been seeing it, you know, throughout the years. And I think the more um, partners we have with the help that they're able to help us, we can see very succeed, very successful. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that, Iola, and, and just making the time to speak with us today. It's been great to hear about all of the programming that you all are doing. It's really exciting. Thank you so much for having me here. In Marshallese, we say, tata. That means <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Iola. In Chukisekirijo Tsabur. So I'm, I'm learning Chukis too from Mr. Paul Satiro. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> Awesome. You, Kumo Tata. Hawaii Rising is a podcast from the Hawaii People's Fund produced by me. And me. With additional support from... Mickey! Our theme music is Revolutionary from the band Ukla the Mock, written and sung by Mickey Hui Hui. A big thank you to our community supporters and to you, our audience, for listening. Ahui ho!